بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين ما بعد So Allah bless you all wherever you're listening from and This is a really, really vast topic that we have. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, qu anfusakum wa ahlikum nara, wa quduhan nasu wal hijara, alayha malaikatun ghilaghun, shiladun la ya'asoon allaha ma amarahum, wa yaf'aloon ma yu'maroon. Sadaqallahul azim. So there's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's uh, what the system that he has created in this world of the way human beings come and go. Adam السلام, and Hawa they did not come from parents. Adam السلام, was created in his original 60 cubit form, which is approximately 30 meters. And the soul and the ruh was blown into him. And then from his rib was created Hawa Eve. And then after that, everybody comes through this embryonic stage of, a, in, of the, the, uh, the fetus in a mother's stomach. And that's how we come into this world. And that is how humans come into this world. We don't come from factory lines. We don't come from uh, other manufacturing process. It's a very organic process. And that's how humans are born. So now... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a lot of guidance. And so we have guidance in multiple ways. We have guidance through verses in the Quran that are telling us what to do. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, O people who believe, protect yourselves and your family from the hellfire. That's ultimate big idea that you must protect yourselves and your children from the hellfire. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so we have verses like that. Then we have verses in the Qur'an which tell us about how children were brought up by prophets, for example. Yusuf alayhi salam's story comes to mind where his son, Yaqub alayhi salam's son, Yusuf alayhi salam comes to him with a dream and Yaqub alayhi salam gives him some advice and then the whole story plays out. This is not the time to recount the story, but we have a number of stories that are mentioned. Then you have many hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ provides some direct guidance. If you have a child, make sure you do your aqiqah, make sure you call the adhan in the right ear and the iqama in the left ear, give them a good name, and, and so on. Then after that, you also have narrations in which the Prophet ﷺ interacted with children. We also have narrations in which Sahaba, how they dealt with their children. So we've got quite a bit of material to, to learn this from. Thereafter that, we obviously have biographies, uh, the lives, written stories and uh, life stories of uh, individuals who became successful in the world, how they were brought up. 
that was, that's always helpful because if they became great individuals, productive individuals, celebrated individuals for the right things, then they must have been brought up in some way that contributed to that because everything has an impact later on. So there's lots in there and also um, in an, you know, in 40 minutes, in 50 minutes, in an hour, how much we're going to cover of the life from before a person gives birth to when they give birth, when they have a child, the infancy, the toddlerhood, the childhood, the teenage years, early teenage years, late teenage years, advanced teenage years, young adult years, middle age, and so on. Parents never give up. The child will become 40 years of age and the mother is still going to be fretting over them. In fact, some 40-year-olds have to still take permission from their, from their mother to do X, Y, and Z. SubhanAllah. So, we are all offsprings. Ultimately, we are all offsprings. So now, how do we cover uh, this in comprehensively? We can't because there's so many stages. Plus, there's so many variables. Culture plays a massive part in this. We, can't, we can never ignore culture. I just want to say something about culture. Culture is very, very important. It's the most influential and important, significant factor in our lives. It is very difficult to escape culture. Very difficult to escape culture. Whether it's good or bad, good or bad culture. Okay? And some cultures are, Ya Allah, they're, they're suffocating. Alhamdulillah, every Muslim culture, which means the Gujarati culture, the Punjabi culture, the Kashmiri culture, if you want to consider that separate, right? You can even break down the Punjabi culture to the Saraiki culture and this culture and that culture. I mean, it's, it's so refined. The Pathan culture, the Sindhi culture, the Khan's culture, the Raja culture. There's just so many different cultures. Which culture is yours also? What's your culture called? Everybody has a culture. Nobody in this world doesn't have a culture. Just remember that. Isn't that too broad, Punjabi? Nobody can say they don't have a culture. I've had people come and say, I don't want to marry Punjabi. They're Punjabi. Why not? They come with baggage. Who do you want to marry then? I want to marry a convert. I said, they also come with a baggage. It's just a different one. Everybody comes with baggage. Everybody comes with culture. Right? Now, what's interesting is that every Muslim culture, meaning every culture that has had Muslims in there, will have the good points, for sure. In fact, every culture has good and bad points. You can't survive in this world with just bad points. Every culture has good points. Muslim cultures have very good points, but they also have a share of bad points. Escaping those bad points is very difficult. There are so many young people who want to become religious. Girls who want to wear hijab. But nobody in their family does. So they can't do it. If they start doing, you become extremist. You know, this kind of stuff. A, a young guy and in his family, nobody has a beard. He's, he wants to, poor guy wants to start keeping a beard. He's heard the virtues, but nobody in the family does so. He wants to go and study the deen. You know, this is culture. This is suffocating culture. I'll give you the typical culture, the typical issue. There's a daughter-in-law. She's been oppressed by her mother-in-law. 
a typical scenario. I mean, what's new, right? She's oppressed by her mother-in-law. So you go to the mother-in-law and you and then and then say, why do you do that for? I'm not doing anything different from what my mother-in-law did to me. Okay. Okay, so you find her mother-in-law. Maybe she's dead. You go to her grave and say, why did you do that? Because my mother-in-law did that to me. You find her mother-in-law. Like, why did you do that? Because my mother-in-law did that to me. Like, come on, Baskarabi, you know, like you need to stop. It's we're Muslims, and the Prophet has guided us in everything. That's why we take the best of our culture, but we leave the bad of our culture. But it's very difficult to do that. The only people who will do it who have resolve, who for, for whom Allah and His Prophet are stronger, who has taken the deen to heart, then they don't care. Otherwise, it's very difficult. It is the single most powerful force in our lives. Very difficult to go against culture. But you have to do so. What is the culture of people in England? A Punjabi in England, a Gujarati in England, a Sileti in England is very different from a Punjabi in Punjab, a Sileti in Silet. It's very, when you go back, say back, when you go to visit Punjab or Silet or Kashmir or wherever, you will frown upon some of the things. You're like, yeah, this is not me, man. Well, it would have been you had you stayed there, but you're different now. In England, because we mix with multiple cultures, you take on different, but you should be careful, you only take the, we're given an opportunity to take the best of each culture. For example, I'm supposed to be Gujarati in fresh and blood, if that's such a thing. My topi is Turkish. This pagri is made in Pakistan, but it's done in a non-Pakistani way. This particular top I'm wearing is Moroccan, but it was made in Jordan in different style, adjusted. Otherwise, Moroccan ones are longer. My watch is probably Japanese. This microphone, Patani Kahase here. Right? That's what we are now. We're a mixture of culture. We have an opportunity to pick the best and leave the bad. Remember that. Usually, when somebody wants to do something good against their culture, uh, it Usually it takes two, three months. You first get the tane, you first get the criticism, you first get this, that, and the other. But if you stay resolved, you can change your whole family. I've seen cases where nobody in that family covered their hair, the women. One woman started, she got so much criticism. Sunnah bara, bahut sunnah. Now that entire family covers everybody, all the brothers and sisters, everybody covers. You just needed one to blaze the path. There was one family, no alims, sorry, no hafiz of the Quran. Kabi dekai nahi aisa. MashaAllah, one person went and did it. Now, MashaAllah, in the next generation, every single boy is hafiz of the Quran. You have to take the lead and change things. And that's where our children come in. Do you want to bring your children up? Do you want to let the, the outside forces bring our children up? Or do we want to bring them up in a very, very guided way, very selective way? So today, what I'm going to share with you, and then inshallah, what I'll do is I will open up to questions because uh, it's such a vast topic. 
I may say a few things in the time I have that may be irrelevant to you. So what I'll do is after I say my several things, I'll open it up to you. If you have any questions, you can ask and then we can, if something is important for you, I don't want to miss it out. Right, take your sir. So I'm going to give you some, they're not very organized. These are just individual points for us to reflect on. Inshallah, and I, I hope we, I found them beneficial. That's why I've compiled them. So inshallah, we can have some food for thought, right? Why is this important? Let's see, who's a grandfather here? Who has grandchildren here? How many? Four, mashallah. Now, look, what's your name? Haji Nawab Sab, mashallah. Haji Nawab Sab has four grandchildren. Allah bless them all and protect them all, right? He volunteered, so I should give him dua, right? Mashallah. So, Haji Nawab Sab, your four grandchildren are yours. They're not your brothers, are they? They're not your sisters. They are yours. Now, is there any stopping those four from having more children? In some years, we're going to be gone. They're going to carry on. Four will become eight and ten and fifteen, and then it'll become fifty and hundred and thousands. When we come up on the Day of Judgment, there'll be a whole army in front of you. Yes, are you going Wow, MashaAllah. All yours, not your brothers or sisters. They're all yours. Have you ever thought about it like that? We only think to the next 50 years. No. We need to be thinking for the next hundreds of years because everybody that's going to come from you and I are yours and there will be some influence of the way you bring them up that will continue. You know, I've had the opportunity to go Hajj with big groups, 400, 500, 700 people. And when you travel, you see different people that you don't know from before. Some people just stick out, not like a sore thumb. Some people do, but some people just stick out for their akhlaq and their character. There's just some dignity and honor about them. And then you start talking to them and you find out that Somewhere up there, grandfather, great-grandfather, there was some special person there. That is why they are the way they are. I'm not joking. I've seen this so many times. Why is he different? You get talking and you say, oh, my grandfather was this sheikh, or he was like this, or he was this, and then you understand. You have to set up your family and your generations to come until the Day of Judgment as you would want them to be seen. And for that, you better pick the right spouse. For that, you better be really thinking about the effect of your relationship, your household, your, ho your home environment and everything. It's very important. Imagine a family, they have four or five children and then after, 30 year, after 12 years, some of the children are 12 years old. The oldest one is 12, the others are five, six and there's a divorce. That whole, their whole life is punctured, is disturbed, especially in the formative years. That's why you have to play it smart right from the beginning. The biggest thing is you're not looking for the best partner, you're looking to sort yourself out. A lot of the time it's our problem, but we want the other person to be best and to be perfect. So these are some of the guidances. Let us compare. And again, this is not to make us feel guilty, but just to make us think. How can I do better? 
Do we spend more time with our children than they spend on Fortnite or Twitch or whatever? And that could be me or the wife, the husband or the, the parent, any of the parents. It doesn't have to be one pair, both parents, you know. Do we spend more time with them or does a program spend more time with them? Does a game spend more time with them? Or do they spend more time with the game? Just something to think about. One very important point is, uh, which is, uh, when I heard this, I was like, subhanAllah, this is what I've been looking for, is we need to bring our children up with this thought in their mind that I can do this, but I can't do this because I'm a Muslim. That has to be very clearly mentioned. The boundaries have to be set in our homes and reiterated and confirmed and emphasized over and over again in a very simple but very serious way that I can't do this because I'm a Muslim. That's like, it just has to be. So if they're ever faced with this outside, if a friend offers them a cigarette, offers them to do something wrong, I can't do this because we don't do that kind of stuff. There's a sense of pride in it. One is because you're going to be punished by God. That's like putting the fear of God in somebody. That, that's heavy. It works. But another way is, we are Hans. We don't do this kind of stuff. I'm a Mangera. We don't do this. Make up whatever you want. Whatever your name is. You better have a name though. Most people lose their surnames. They don't know where they're from. They just take any first name and they make that their surname. Like, come on. Like, have some kind of honor, man. Know where you're from. People are losing their surnames. They don't have a surname. They don't want to care about where they came from. Allah is saying that we made you in qabail, qabile, in clans and tribes so that you can gain a recognition of one another. Not to show off with those qabail. Not to think that you're better than others. But just so that you don't uh, misascribe yourself. No, we, hum, you know, we're the Raja family, we don't do this kind of stuff. We are Sayyids, we don't do this kind of stuff. Our family does not do this kind of stuff. We are the Muhammad family, whatever your surname is, whatever. Start drilling that in them. We don't do this stuff. When the next time, no, I can't do that kind of stuff. He can do it because he's not from that family maybe. But we don't do this kind of stuff. Give them that pride based on virtue. Subhanallah. Ultimately, I'm a Muslim. That's why I can't do that. I'm from this family. Unfortunately, that was the case before. Do you know that? This was the case before. Before, you would not do something wrong because you'd be worried about what people would say about your mom and dad. What they would say about your family in the villages. But we're living in a time of individualism where hardly any children think the same as their parents anymore. Unless you're very lucky. This is the challenge that many parents want their children to marry somebody they want. But they haven't brought them up to think in the same way. So then, they don't prepare for this. When they come to be 25 years old, you better marry this person, your cousin's sister. And I don't want to marry my cousin's sister. What's your problem, man? No, you better. If you disobey your parents, you'll be in Jahannam forever. 
which is actually not even true in this case. I don't want to. I don't want to open up a can of worms here. But you know, if you want your children to marry somebody, you better prepare them and be on the same, you know, wavelength from a very young age, so they know where they're going with this. You know, if it's the right thing. Otherwise, you then bring it on them, and then you have a big argument about it, or you force them to do it, and then they. I've seen people lose their faith over this. One woman called me. She's about forty years old. She asked me about some masala. Uh, um, a particular issue which only people who are concerned about their faith would ask and like a very specific namaz may if you do this then does your namaz break something like that somebody you know somebody who's concerned about their religion so I answered the question and then some other discussion came mom she said she's married to a non-muslim I said I was shocked I said like you're asking such a particular question you know, which makes it seem like you're a practicing woman. Why, what are you doing mar- you know, married to a non-Muslim? That, many people don't do that. You know. So then she explained, she said, yeah, you know, when I was younger, I was forced to get married to my cousin or something like that. Right? And uh, th- what, what parents do is they, they make it seem like this is religious. You better do it, otherwise you're going to be in Jahannam forever or whatever. So then they think that Islam is bad because of that. Whereas Islam doesn't force a woman to get married like that. It's completely wrong. So then she left the faith or whatever. She just got married to a non-Muslim, but alhamdulillah she's coming back and she's concerned. Lots of people this happens to. So unfortunately now what's the problem is that it's individualism. Me, me, I, me. It doesn't matter who my family is. Who cares? Why can't I do this? Why do I have to worry about what people are going to think of my family? Why can't I go out? Why can't I do this? Why can't I dress like this? That's what we're dealing with. There's no respect anymore for your family or honor or whatever because it's individualism. The, everybody's taught to just be yourself. This is the modern trend. This is uh, creating a lot of problems. Another thing is that in the earlier days and even in some countries still, historically throughout, and in earlier centuries, parents had a lot of assistance because the whole community, the neighbors, relatives, everybody brought up everybody's children. You were scared to do what you wanted to do, regardless of anybody in your community who was looking at you. But now, if your parents aren't looking at you, if you're scared of your parents, you don't care about anybody. It's like, even if they try to tell you something, you'll probably say, what's it to you? Go and mind your own business. That wasn't the case before. That's why our job has become more difficult. The whole neighbors, the whole neighborhood brought up the children. Everybody was usually on the same page because the culture was one. Right? Everybody thought the same way. Yeah, there were a few people who were known to be different, but otherwise mostly were the same. Now, subhanallah, you have various different forces, influences, steeped in capitalism, consumerism, and other motives who bring up our children. Our children are brought up on social media. That's your Instagram. Jazakallah. Instagram and TikTok and all of these other things. All of these influences they listen to that you don't even know about and they will be listening to. Oh, so and so, so and so, so and so. Who are trying to sell something. Who are trying to push an agenda. Who are trying to corrupt something. Or whatever the case is. They have more influence sometimes on our children than we do. That's why we need to understand what is out there and we put that guideline like this is who we are, we don't do this.
This is not the way we think. We have to be able to discuss. We have to be able to discuss with our children what is very important, very important, is that we have an open discourse at home, which means at least one of the parents, if not both, should be approachable to discuss any matter that arises in school, outside, online, on social media with the parents. And the parents need to be aware of this so they can guide them. Unfortunately, in, in some households or many households, that communication isn't there. In fact, subjects are taboo. They can't even be brought up. For example, right? For example, um, women, girls, after they reach a certain age, they don't have to do namaz, salat, so for several days every month, right? So there's a family when namaz partegarve, they they pray, and uh, it's they were doing something together, and it was namaz time, maghrib time. They didn't go to the masjid, they prayed at home. So everybody prayed. The mother didn't pray, or the sister didn't pray. Somebody's gonna figure it out, man. Why isn't she praying? What do you tell them? How do you explain it? Anybody? Bichari bimari, man. That's la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Aapne hayes ko bimari bana di. It's health. If you don't have menstruation, then you're sick. It's healthy to have menstruation. Then usko bimari bana di. And then the next month is the second. Oh, she's still sick. She seems completely fine to me. Every month she's sick. Like, well, what's the problem, man? Is that the right course of action? Why call it a sickness? It's wrong. It's lying, actually. What we you you say is you just be you see we have to treat treat our children to be sensible and teach them to be decent. So we say, look, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has made it such that when girls reach a certain age, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, they don't have to pray for for you know five, six, seven days each month. Why not? Because they have, a certain, uh, they have certain issues with their body, right? Which you'll find out when you get older, right? But alhamdulillah, men don't have that issue. You can pray. But girls, they know they're forgiven. They don't have to pay. That works. Rather than tell them they're sick. You should be such that if your child has discussed LGBTQ issues in school, or gender fluidity, or whatever the case is, they should be able to come home you should know that discussion took place because they usually tell you. Or you should be asking, what did you learn in school? And discuss that matter and see what our approach is to these things. Very important. Otherwise, who's, who's going to do the filtering? Uh, many parents, they pull their children out of these kind of lessons. right? That let them go to the library or let them stay at home. Problem is, the next day they go to school, their friends will tell them everything secondhand anyway. So you, we, we, this is our job. We have to have a very open, open relationship, open discourse in the house that we can discuss any topic. If not the both parents, at least with one parent. That's why we need to understand what the, in who you're listening to. Let me see who's on your TikTok or whatever, if they're on, even on TikTok, if they're even allowed to be, you know. We need to know everything. So we can have that discussion. We can guide them. Otherwise, subhanAllah, You don't even know what they do in school anymore with a lot of parents. Okay, next point. We need to teach them certain qualities, especially strength, 
fortitude, patience, resilience, dignity, self-respect, and assistance of others. How do we teach them these things? Well, for example, if you want to teach them patience and fortitude, if sometimes they have a little headache, for example, don't rush to give them Kalpol or a medicine, a paracetamol. Let them deal with a headache. No, I'm not saying doing every, don't persecute them. But I'm saying sometimes, just so they can learn resilience. We teach them du'as, that's beautiful. Allahumma rabban nas, adhib al-ba's, washfi anda shafi la shifa'a, illa shifa'uka shifa'an la yugadiru saqam. Teach them du'as. But let them suffer a bit. Let them have a bit of pain. Have a simple dish sometimes, so they can learn that it's not all about luxury. I have had many opportunities to be in five-star hotels where literally everything is paid for me. So five-star hotel, there are four or five top-end five-star restaurants in the hotel. And I can go and eat in any one of them for free. It's all on the tab. But I don't. Because I feel I'm wasting somebody else's money and I don't need to do that. I will order a soup to my room if that's all I want that day. I'm not going to go because a lot of food is wasted in these places. Because somebody taught us to be frugal and to be careful and not to waste food. Otherwise we waste a lot of food. That's just one aspect I'm saying. We need to teach our children all of these things. It is the smaller things that are going to make them resilient. Then they're going to be ready for the world. Otherwise the world is not a kind place. If we mollycoddle them as they say. We overly pamper them and everything is there for them. Then when they have to become independent, they're going to suffer. They won't be able to deal with it. It's gonna, they're going to make many more mistakes. We need to teach them from a young and early age. Inshallah, if we teach them, we give them an edge above everybody else. Because everybody else is the same. We give them an edge to inshallah succeed and to win. Inshallah. The world is not very kind to people all the time. The, the biggest thing that we can give our children is the consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nothing bigger than that. Why? If we teach our children to be directly connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to monitor them less because they're already concerned about Allah. I'll give you an example. There's a child who comes back from, he's just started high school. His parent, his mom has told him that you need to do dhuhr in the school some, somehow because by the time you come, asr uh, time will be finished in winter. He comes back second or third day from high school uh, and secondary school. His mom said, did you pray? And he said, no, I didn't pray. Should you be happy or sad? So tell me which of you would be sad. Like I need an answer from all of you. So one, whichever answer you want to give, right? Who would be sad? Okay, that's about nearly half of, uh, or more actually. Okay, how many of you would be happy? How many, the rest of you happy sad? The ones who didn't answer? You'd be like, happy sad or you don't even know how to think? So when I heard it, I was very happy actually. He didn't say like, no, I don't want to pray. He said, no, I didn't pray. So now, so why didn't you pray? Oh, I didn't find a place to pray. So we had a conversation. Look, you know, why don't you talk to a particular nice teacher that, you know, that uh, I'm just going to take five minutes. Can I just use your empty room to pray if you don't have it? Because not all schools have 
prayer halls and things like that. You have to work with our children to get it right. Now, the reason the child, did the child have to say I didn't pray? Could have easily said I prayed. It would have been so easy to lie. In fact, if you went and tried to ask the school, did my child pray? They'll probably uh, report you to prevent. So you can't even, you know, it would have been so easy for the child to lie, right? But he didn't lie. Why? Consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bismillah. Connection with Allah. Very powerful. There's a girl. She's, she was seven years old. Her brother was maybe a few years older, nine, ten years old. So the brother had to go to opticians, get an eye test, and then he needed glasses. So she started making fun of him. So the mother said to the daughter, be careful, don't make fun of him, because your dad has glasses, your mom has glasses, your older brother has glasses, you're probably going to get glasses as well, right? And then after that, nothing else. Ten years later, when she's about seven, she's got younger brothers as well now. And they have glasses, and she doesn't have glasses. Everybody has glasses, but she doesn't have glasses. Ten years later, why doesn't she have glasses? Because then she revealed that, you know, mom, you know when you said to me that, don't make fun of him, you're going to get glasses because everybody in the family has glasses. I started praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I don't want glasses. Amazing, isn't it? Imagine the iman now. Now the mother should have said, pray to Allah that you don't get glasses. She didn't say that to her. But still the daughter made dua. Why did she make dua? Where did she learn to make dua? Because clearly that was taught in that family that we make dua for everything. In one family I know, any small thing that happens to the child, got a pain here, got this here, they read a dua and blow on it. And more than 50% of the time it gets better. Maybe you can call it placebo effect or whatever you want to call it. When the child gets old, old enough, just, they just teach the children to read the du'as. Bismillah, alladhi la yadurru ma'asmihi shay'un fil ardi wa la fi s-sama'i wa huwa s-sami'u al-alim. A'udhu bi kalimati allahi al-tammati min sharri ma khalaq. Qul a'udhu bi rabbil falaq, qul a'udhu bi rabbil nas, qul huwa allahu ahad, ayatul kursi, and blow on it. If it's something else, like, وَإِنْ يَكَادُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَيُزْلِقُونَكَ بِأَبْصَارِهِمْ لَمَّا سَمِعُوا الذِّكْرَ وَيَقُولُونَ إِنَّهُ لَمَجْنُونَ وَمَا هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ MashaAllah, they take care of themselves afterwards. You have to teach them that. Then, MashaAllah, they take care of it. That can only be done if we are in touch with Allah ourselves. You can't teach your children what you're not in touch with. It just doesn't work. Okay. Um, another point we say things to our children you're a loser now what's interesting is that that is going to have a different effect on different children some are going to think I'm a loser no I'm not and they're going to go and do their work I don't want to be a loser but there's others who's like I'm a loser okay I'm a loser man I'm a loser and they, they become a loser it's criticism is you have to be very careful Sometimes, you know, we give criticism, you have to be very careful. We have to know our children, how sensitive they are, how they are, that what would work with them, what would not work with them. For example, there's a, there's a, a girl who didn't listen to the parents, They're very frustrated with her. Anything you tell her, she wants to do the opposite. So finally, I think they woke up. So if the mom wants her to buy this dress and not that one, she wouldn't say buy this dress. She'd say, you know what, buy that one, the other one. And with that rebellious attitude, she goes and buys the other one, which the mom wants. So the parents wisened up a bit. 
you have to know your children because Allah creates every child, every single child different. Within your own children, many of them will be different. Some will like tomatoes and others will not. Tomatoes is the usual culprit. Right? Someone loves tomato ketchup and the other one can't stand any kind of tomato sauce. Allah creates, now one thing we have to remember, right? Allah creates every one of us. That means every child and every one of us with a set of qualities and a set of weaknesses. Every single human being is like that. The successful ones are the ones who recognize their qualities and start using them to be successful. And the ultimately successful ones are those who also understand their weaknesses. So now tell me here, how many of you consider yourself successful? I mean, I do. MashaAllah. Great. Only two of us. Three. MashaAllah. Wonderful. Four. Oh, okay. Alhamdulillah. Five. Only five of us are successful. All the rest are poor losers. Or what are they? Successful to a certain day. I'm not saying like successful in the sense we've got Jannat already or we've got this big mansion. Like, you know, you think you're doing well enough. Like, Alhamdulillah. Allah. I mean, shukr, you know, that kind of success. That's what I mean by this. I don't know what you think successful, Bill Gates successful. No. You know, like I'm just saying, alhamdulillah, you know, I'm doing well. How many, how many people consider themselves successful? Chalo, alhamdulillah, mashallah. Why are you successful? Because you have fi- found out and figured out and discovered your qualities. Jeez, because Allah gives everybody some qualities. Everybody some qualities. There's nobody who have no qualities. If they, losers are those who don't discover their qualities. Remember that. They're just good for nothing. They just think they have no qualities because they just, I don't know, deluded. But they have qualities. Somebody didn't guide them, they didn't find it out. The, ultim- the, uh, the, the, the highest successful ones are those who also know their weaknesses. So they can control their weaknesses. So you can use your qualities, you can figure that out. But you also need to know your weaknesses to be even safer in this world. Our job as parents is to find out what qualities each of our children have. One is very compassionate. One is very good with his hands. One, she's very good at X, Y, and Z. One is very sharp. One, the weakness, oh, the sharp one has a problem with anger. This one is very generous. That one is a bit stingy. He will share his last sweet. That one will not. Which one are you? Will you share your last sweet? You're stingy? I mean, it's possible. I mean, I was a bit stingy, I think. Are you stingy? A bit stingy? So we have to work on not being stingy. What about you? We all have our issues. Allah gives us different challenges and different uh, capabilities. We have to recognize that as parents, I think, if we can just recognize the capabilities of our children and their weaknesses and let them learn, teach them how to deal with them, we're successful. If that's the only lesson you learn from today, I think that should be successful. You know, that, that should be good enough. Because that's a very important point when it finally hit me, that this is what it is. Have I understood what my capabilities are? And have I understood what my weaknesses are? There is no way to the top without suffering and without difficulty. If you become a group, if you have this attitude that we as Khans or Patans or Gujaratis, sorry, not Gujaratis, uh, Mangera or, or whatever clan you are, Ahmeds or whatever, right? We don't do this. And you have a clan about it. You're going to be much more difficult to attack. Because mashallah, you've got a strong support system. Inshallah. 
Unfortunately, today, what we're suffering because of social media and everything, there are a lot of people today who hold ideas and beliefs and perspectives. They don't even know where they got them from. They're just assimilating them, absorbing them from the different things they read, and you don't even know. So there's people who think completely haram things are fine because it's humani- it's, it's been given a humanitarian look. You see people who think bombing the Gazans to, you know, to nothing is fine because of something that somebody did. Right? And 7 million is not enough. I don't know when it's going to be enough. Perspectives, ideas. We have to be very careful of what ideas our children are to believe. I guarantee you that I've seen in certain countries where Islam is not so strong that the children have lost their faith and the parents don't even know it. How? Because nobody prays in the family. All they do is Ramzan, they don't take the children anyway. And in Ramzan, they might go, but it's like a feast in the masjid. And they stand and pray a bit. And in fact, I've seen places where they go for iftari. They do maghrib iftari and then they come home and no taraweeh. They go for Eid prayer only. That's just a celebration. This is going for Christmas. They've lost their faith. They don't even, their parents won't even know that they've lost it. Their parents might have it because they came from another country. They still have a bit of faith. But they're apathetic in the sense that they don't really care. Their children don't even have faith. They don't even know it. Their children won't know what La ilaha illallah means. Because they've never been to maktab. Their focus was school. Only. That's it. So, um, I, I, think, I think I'm going to stop now. Uh, and leave it to you for questions. Because I can't cover everything. I've got many more points. But... Set a set of core values for your family, which is real, and have them reiterated and reinforced all the time. Core principles, right? Because otherwise, there is just so many other sources which are teaching our children social media in our homes. Before, if you shut the door, kept your children inside, nobody else could influence them. But now, it's so difficult not to have your children, not to allow them to have a phone or an iPad or something. Some parents do it. Very few are successful in controlling that. Very difficult. So then the only thing we can do is we know what they're watching. They're regulating what they're watching. And we have core principles that we're constantly reinforcing and we're discussing everything with them. And the final point I'll make is every child is exceptional because they've got that set of qualities. If we can help them find out their quality, they are exceptional in that. We have to teach them that you are exceptional. Now, what we want, don't want to do is don't reduce their future ambition goal. You have to be a doctor. You have to be an engineer. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those, but no. You have to be, you have to be a productive individual that changes people by being a doctor. Being a doctor is just part of that. The ultimate goal is not to be a doctor and to make lots of money. You're going to do that anyway. Your ultimate goal is to change the world for it to be a better place. How are you going to do that? By being a doctor, by being an engineer, by doing this business. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't make a lot of people, because they glorify certain occupations, they make that the end all. That can still be what you get, but have a higher ambition of why you get it. Then you'll be rewarded for that as well.
And then a child will have some empathy in their heart, contribution and khidmah in their heart, rather than just be selfish individuals. Have a bigger idea. You're not just going to be that. No, you're not going to just be that. You're going to be all of those things. Your real purpose is to make the world a better place and, and take people to the, in the right direction and help people and relieve misery. All of these ideas we're giving our children. Why not? It's free to give them those ideas, no? We couldn't have done it, but let them do it. And I've seen many families, they... They came from a family that had nothing and mashallah they managed to change everything for the next generations. Let's set them on a better on a on a on a better trajectory, inshaAllah. So I'll I'll stop here and uh, if you have any questions I'll take them and then inshallah we can finish. Very good question. How do we deal with angry children? Angry birds. Um, firstly, we have to find out where did they learn this anger from? A lot of the time, a lot of the time they learn it from us. If we get angry, they learn it from us sometimes. So we have to figure out where they learned it from. And then we have to start changing our way. And inshallah, that will change. Number two, we have to have a discussion with them. Not like every time they get angry, don't get angry. Why did you get angry for? Because they're angry. They're not going to understand anything in anger. I know one child... Whenever he can't get what he wants, so you tell him not to do something, he gets very angry for about three minutes. You can't reason with him, he's crazy at that time. His arguments are silly, everything. After five minutes, he's fine. Then you can talk to him. We have to know our children and, and then have a long discussion over and over again that, look, this doesn't help. Uh, so th then we have to talk about anger management. So we'll, we'll talk to them and say, look, what makes you angry? Why do you get angry? Could be multiple reasons for getting angry. Either they learnt that the parent does this when they're frustrated or when they can't get what they want. So we have to find out what the triggers of their anger are. Talk to them about it. Is it because you feel helpless? Is it because you feel you're being cheated? For example, there was one kid. Every time he would get some ED or a gift, his father would take the money. To look after... He thought his father was stealing his money. The little kid thought, you've got, you, you take all my money, I don't know where it is, you've just, uh, you, know, you spend my money. And then I think one day they realized what his issue is, why he gets angry. So he sat him down and said, look, this is your hisab. They showed him, you know, some written, look, this is how much money you got. We're just looking after it for you because you could lose it. You know, you've lost money before, right? Alhamdulillah, since that day. Find out what their frustrations are. Is it because uh, we're being more favorite, uh, he th or the child thinks that the parent is being more favor, uh, more um, nicer to another brother? Or it could be, it could be multiple reasons. We can't just tell them not to be angry. We have to see if they've got a valid concern and sort that out. If they do, if they don't have a valid concern, we need to tell them how to control themselves. That this is not the way you're going to get results. I think we have to get through to them that look, by getting angry, you don't get results. You want to do something, use a different tact. Try this way, try that way to get what you want. So these are, I mean, it's a very difficult to give a full, complete answer. But these are the different things that we need to think about. It's a bit more complicated than, you know, there's no straight answer to that. But hopefully that's helpful. You know, cartoons, uh, we need a lot more Muslim cartoons, to be honest. Meaning Muslim content.
that is completely an alternative. And I don't like justifying music because it's haram. But sometimes it's like music is probably the lightest of all of the problems out there. I'm not saying that you should let them listen to that. But I think we found some games online, uh, like cartoonish games, but with no music. We also look at the games like Fortnite doesn't have any music. It has sound effects rather than music. Some games you can turn it off. So you have to do that research. And then you just do your best to make sure they stay on that. Plus, don't give them too much time. Cartoons are bad because there's a lot of bad content coming through cartoons. So you don't want to let them like bus cartoon as though it's innocent. Uh, I think with all the children, they need only a certain number of hours a week on, the, uh, on any kind of social media. Then they have to use it for the best option that they have rather than just endless. Because a lot of people use social media to babysit their children. Because then you don't have to pay anybody, you just need an iPad and well, mashallah, they can spend 3-4 hours on there, no problem, and you can go and do your gupshap somewhere else. So I think these are kind of the regulatory things that we have to do. Do you want to The way we, um, because ultimately as a parent, if, we're cons uh, if we know our children, we know what they're good at. Well, we don't always, but what we do is we put them in different scene, scenarios. We help them maybe, uh, sorry, we get them involved with different things that we do. For example, if you're doing a bit of DIY work, for example, you're fixing something or doing something, see, somebody's going to be interested in that. Some are not going to be interested. Maybe when the mum is cooking, well, some, you know, they can... Uh, so we have to figure out by putting them in different scenarios in different circumstances, what they're good at and what they're not, and then we need to encourage them in that direction. I think as a parent, we'll know what they're good at and what their weaknesses are. We'll definitely figure out their weaknesses, that's for sure. We have to teach them like they procrastinate a lot. They're last-minute people. They're stingy. They, are, they spend too much. Once a father gave his child... Uh, uh, this was like 20 years ago, when, you know, ice cream man, ice cream van... The, 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 co the cone uh, ice cream costs a pound, right? He said, I want to buy anything, give him five pounds. The guy went to the ice cream van and then he bought for himself one of those double floats, which cost three pound fifty and something for his friend as well. His father gave him five pounds because he didn't have any change, right? Suddenly he told him off. He's like, you should have asked. But the child don't know. He's like, oh, I've got little money. I can buy this. Khalas. Another occasion... There was a kid in another house down the road selling sweets. You know, you get those jelly sweets. They buy a big tub and then they sell each one for, I don't know, five pence or whatever. He went and bought for two, three pounds uh, that many sweets, which was a con, right? That kid made a lot of money, but because for less than that, you could have gone and bought a box from the supermarket. So he said, look, you've done that now. You can't go and give it back. But if you want to buy so many sweets, then it's cheaper for you to buy from here. So you have to teach them how to budget as well. Right? So these are different things that you can teach them uh, and figure, figure things out. How about Why does a child make a silly statement about Allah? That's the first question I'm going to ask. Right? Is it because they haven't understood Allah properly yet? So I think we have to see that have we not explained who Allah is? 
so that there's no way. Allah is blemishless the way we've explained it and we've given enough detail to them that they can work it out. They'll never blame Allah. Okay, if we haven't, then what do you mean by taking it seriously? We, the, 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 taking it seriously just means that we need to now make sure that we teach them enough about Allah that they never make that statement again. We're not going to say you're a kafir. We're not going to start doing takfir, right? That's taking it seriously uh, in that sense. No, we obviously have to take it seriously. I mean, we don't want our children blaspheming Allah. Of course not. But we have to understand why they're doing that. Maybe something didn't happen. Maybe their dua didn't accept, wasn't accepted. So they're saying, Ya Allah, you don't answer my duas. Well, we need to tell them what the real philosophy of dua is. Maybe they got the wrong idea what dua is. Thinking like some kind of magic. You pray to Allah and it'll just give you whatever you want. That's wrong. You understand? We have to teach our children that you do your best to ask Allah. But if it's good for you, then Allah will give it to you for sure. But if it's not good for you, because you know you may then do this with it or that with it, He won't give it to you. I think we need to teach them. In fact, many adults don't know the philosophy of dua. They get upset with Allah. It's very bad too for the parents to use bad cop, good cop approach. They will send mixed messages. The, ch- the parents will then um, uh, abuse one or use one against the other. The most, one of the most important things in a, in a, in a bringing children is the husband and wife being on the same page. Then the children can't manipulate. Father says the same thing, mother says the same thing. Otherwise, they will abuse, that, that family is going to be broken. There's going to be so much turmoil, there's going to be so much difficulty with that. Yeah, in some cases, in a strategic way, you can use that. But not always. Okay, brothers, mashallah, the questions did come up finally. Alhamdulillah. If there's no more questions, then I'll make a little dua and then I can be off. And you guys can go and have your meals. Yeah? Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarak di adal jadali wa ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannan ya mannan la ilaha illa ant. سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جزا الله عنا محمد ما هو أهله يا الله have mercy on us يا الله have mercy on this ummah يا الله have mercy on our brothers and sisters يا الله يا الله forgive us all forgive us our wrongdoings our transgressions our distractions our heedlessness our laziness our delay Oh Allah, and our sins and transgressions. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you for the best of this world and the hereafter. Oh Allah, we have our brothers and sisters who are being massacred and killed in a savage way. Oh Allah, we ask that you remove that from them. Oh Allah, you relieve them. Those who have died, grant them shahada and martyrdom. Oh Allah, those who are injured, oh Allah, grant them patience and greater fortitude and sabr. Oh Allah, those... Uh, the rest of them, O oh Allah, grant them safety, grant them well-being, grant them recovery, O oh Allah, grant them victory, O oh Allah, grant them safety, O oh Allah, grant us an understanding of what we're doing wrong that has allowed this chaos to, to, in, to, to come about. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you have given us abundantly in this world a lifestyle that is equivalent to the top 5 to 10% of the world. Oh Allah, we can't thank you enough for this. Oh Allah, but do not let this become a source of misery for us, a source of mischief for us, a source of corruption for us. 
Oh Allah, bless us and our entire families and our descendants and generations until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, allow us to be concerned for all of them. Oh Allah, grant us from our spouses and our descendants those that will be the joy of our sight. And oh Allah, make us the imams of the righteous ones. Oh Allah, make, from, make us and from our progeny those who establish your prayer. O oh Allah, that love you and that believe in your oneness and that declare your oneness. And O oh Allah, we ask that you protect us and our families and the entire Muslim from all of the fitnas which are out there, all of the distractions which are out there, all of those things which cause us to deviate. O oh Allah, allow us to understand our own qualities that you have given us and to use them in the right way and in the beneficial way. And allow us to, you, uh, allow us to understand our weaknesses and to harness our weaknesses and control our weaknesses and to deal with them. Likewise, Ya Allah, we, uh, grant us the ability to do proper tarbiyah of our children. This is a big responsibility you have given us. Oh Allah, but this is the way the human race will continue. This is the way that is a source of sadaqa jariya for us as well. For every good tarbiyah that we give our children and our grandchildren and so on, we will benefit from this after. Oh Allah, allow this job to be facilitated and easy for us. Oh Allah, these masajid that have been established, bless all of those who've contributed and established these masajid and assisted these masajid. Oh Allah, bless the imams, bless the community, the committee members, bless all of those who've assisted in any way. Oh Allah, whatever work has to be done to this masjid and other masajid, oh Allah, allow it to be completed, remove any obstacles and hindrances in its path. Oh Allah, we ask that you accept us all for the service of your deen. And oh Allah, you grant us shifa from our problems and our other issues and grant us cure from our spiritual and physical ailments and oh Allah oh Allah oh Allah you make us productive individuals subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun al mursaleen walhamdulillah the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act to get further an inspiration an encouragement persuasion the next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam at least at their basic level so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially for example the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials certificate which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.